everybody has come to the conclusion that we all have that this is a passing phase. Whatever it is, it will also pass away. But meanwhile, we have a God that is with us through the suffering. Across the world today, millions of Christians are persecuted. They face discrimination, imprisonment, displacement, and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We are in this together with them, and we need to hear their voice. Join host Sarah as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. It's the middle of the night and you're woken by gunfire. You grab your things and run. You don't want to be there when they arrive at your door. That's the experience of so many Christians in North and Central Nigeria. Villages are raided, men, women and children are murdered and thousands are made homeless. They are dying every day and the world seems to know very little about it. On today's podcast, I'm speaking to Nigerian Christian leader and Release International partner Hassan John. Listen in as he provides some searching analysis of what lies behind the violence and how the problem is growing across the wider West Africa region. But he'll also tell us about how God is at work even in that darkness. Welcome back, Hassan, to the Voice podcast. Um, a lot has happened in the world since we last spoke back in February on a previous episode. You're talking to us now from Nigeria, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Can you tell us very briefly how COVID-19 has impacted Nigeria over the last six months? Let me say uh, thank you so much. It's always a privilege to be on the podcast and thank you for, for having me. So um, in Nigeria, gratefully, and we thank God that we've not been able, I mean, the, the, the impact of the COVID-19 has not been as much as you see from other countries and other parts of the world. Uh, we say that God has been very gracious and merciful to us. So we are a population of about 200 million, but we have um, about 1,500 in terms of deaths from the COVID, and uh, I think barely just about 100,000 in terms of infection. So uh, God has been very, very merciful to us. We had planned for you to visit the UK for a speaker tour in November this year, uh, but unfortunately, for obvious reasons, we can't do that face-to-face -face anymore. Instead, we're going to be hosting a number of live online events with you in the first week of November, uh, where you'll be speaking about the specific projects Release is helping to support in Nigeria. So for that reason, uh, we're not going to cover much of that ground today. Instead, I just wanted to ask you a bit about um, sort of the broader context of Nigeria and what life is like there for Christians. Uh, would you be able to tell us something about the makeup of the country? For example, what percentage of the population are Christian? Where do they live? That sort of thing. Yeah, so uh, Nigeria is quite an interesting and complex country. <laughs> but let me say, to put it just in context, uh, the South is predominantly Christian and the far North is predominantly Muslim, while the Central Belt, the middle region of the, of the country, is uh, some parts are pre predominantly Christian, while others are still um, in, in traditional African worship, the animist religion that we have around here. Most of our listeners will know something about the terrorist group Boko Haram. 
because they're infamous for kidnapping the Chibok schoolgirls and another group of schoolgirls, including Leah Sharibu, who's still being held. And the last time we spoke, you helped us understand a bit about Boko Haram. Uh, that episode is still available on our website if people want to go back and look at that. But I want to ask you now about the Fulani militants, because they've been responsible for attacking Christian villages in the north. And I know it's a complex picture, but in the secular media, these tensions are often explained away in terms of climate change and land disputes, a sort of tit-for-tat violence. Can you enlighten us on the situation, Hassan? What's, what's at the root of these tensions and is religious persecution at the heart of it? Yes, you're right. Boko Haram has been most popular. Um, however, in the last three or four years, um, the Fulani Islamist militia groups have overtaken Boko Haram, both in terms of the devastation and the killings that have happened or that are still going on, really, in predominantly central parts of the country. Um, the global index on terrorism has put Nigeria, I think, the third uh, in the world devastated by terrorism. And this is predominantly by this Fulani cattle herdsmen. As much as we might say it is a fight for resources, but the issue is how does fight for resource in any village, how do you account for uh, a militia carrying AK-47 and they attack and destroy villages, particularly killing women and children? Now, if it was a clash, you would expect that the women and children will be carrying their weapons and uh, the Fulanese too will be doing the same. But you have villages in the last 10 years, I, I have been to more than 100 villages where uh, the story has consistently been the same. The attacks are usually at night, uh, women and children are the most killed. And these are villages that are very, very vulnerable. They have no security for themselves. So, so these are issues. And then you also have the issue of uh, the sustenance of this attack, because like I said, it's been about 10 years now or more that the Fulanese have consistently devastated these communities. Where are they getting their weapons from? Who is funding them? How are they sustaining these attacks consistently on these predominantly Christian communities, by the way? Because like I said from the beginning, the Middle Belt is predominantly Christian. So why not any other part of the country? Why just these particular regions? So there are so many questions uh, that are not just not being answered. And much more recently uh, that you have Christian leaders being specifically targeted, either to be killed or kidnapped. 80 to 90% of all these attacks, you find the rule of engagement that we know. I mean, I'm not an a, 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 an expert in Islam. But I know that one of the areas or one of the things that's said to be the rule of engagement is a warning or a note is sent to the village before it's attacked and they are told to either convert or to pay some ransom before or otherwise they will get attacked. And many villages will tell you that they've had notices of an impending attack by the Fulanis and during any of those and most of these attacks, you also have the other the shout of Allahu Akbar. And when the villages are devastated, the Fulanis now take over these villages and they change the names immediately. There are many villages in Plateau State, for instance, that have names like Palestine 
or they have Sharia land and they have so many other things that they do. So the issue is, if you claim this is just climate change, there are so many issues on the ground that need to be explained because it goes beyond the economics that there must be a driving ideology to make a group of people to shed so much blood consistently and they have no wings about it at all. The fact of the matter is, this is genocidal. Gosh, that's just heartbreaking to hear that, Hassan. We've heard a lot about the Black Lives Matter movement, which has sort of rose to prominence recently. And that reminded me of something that your colleague, the Archbishop of Joss, Ben Quashi said in his book, Neither Bomb Nor Bullet, he said, um, and I quote, he said, my sad conclusion is that in northern Nigeria, Christian lives don't matter at all. The plan we see being executed is to wipe Christianity from the face of northern Nigeria. So it's so severe. You said genocide. Why do you think the Nigerian government uh, is not doing something more to stop this? And also, why aren't other countries speaking up about it? Why don't you think there's an international outcry? So if you follow our current debate in the country, we've been calling again and again for the restructuring of the Nigerian constitution because we are running a unitary government rather than a federal republic. Now, running a unitary government means that whoever is the president can choose to put whoever he puts in any position in any part of the country. And in our case, predominantly are Muslims, even if the community or the local council or the government that is supposed to be It's a Christian-dominated region. So why is the government not responding to the killings in the predominantly Christian communities? Simple answer will be, even though it's subject to debate, but the simple answer is the government is predominantly Muslim. Buhari himself is from the Fulani extract. And every ruler in northern Nigeria, unless you are from the Fulani hegemony of, unless you are, appointed from the caliphate, you cannot be a king and you will never be an emir. That's been what has been the tradition and the culture from northern Nigeria. And this, is, this has influenced predominantly our constitution and our polity. So it's a problem. So when, you, when there is a cry that uh, Christians are being persecuted in the central region of the country, immediately our government denies the issue, it deflects the issue, and it just follows in the uh, general narrative uh, that, well, it is just a small minor thing and it can be contained. But that is not the fact. And let me tie that also with, with why also the international community is not necessarily responding. And I think it's simply because, understandably so, that um, the West is, or is just weary about anything to do with religion, uh, with Islam and things like that, because as much as we might cry our voices hoarse in this part of the country to say this is a religious thing, the West is just not interested because the moment you factor in religion into it, everybody backs out. The Americans wouldn't want to go on the religious narrative because sooner or later the Arab world will start screaming Islamophobia. Uh, it will start saying that we are just trying to make Muslims look bad. It will start bringing narratives like Muslim, uh, Islam is a peaceful religion, all, all sorts of things we've had in the last 10 years. But the fact is, Christians are dying every day. In fact, even in just the last week, 
uh, a village was attacked and uh, another five people were killed. This year alone, more than 100 people are killed between April and June alone. So the killings are still going on, but the moment we now begin to raise the issue that it is persecution, it is genocidal, people now begin to back off from that. And of course, the Western media wouldn't even want to touch this area of religion because, of, because it's much more of a quagmire. And uh, a lot of things people just don't seem to understand because the authorities, that's Nigerian government, would rather go with the narrative that is comfortable for everybody, which is politically correct. In other words, if you say it's climate change, then people, well, let me say, then the Nigerian government will be able to get more money from the West to tackle climate change, to fight insurgency, and of course the British government has sent millions of pounds to Nigeria. The tragedy there is that then the wrong solution or money is pumped into giving answers to the wrong questions completely. The thing I always say is this, that if the tables were turned around, if it was a predominantly Muslim community and villages that were being destroyed by Christian groups, I tell you, this matter would have been before the United Nations long ago. I mean, it sounds like the Archbishop Ben Kwashi has it right when he says that sort of Christian lives are the ones that don't matter. Exactly. Today I'm speaking to Nigerian Christian leader and Release International partner Hassan John. We've spoken about the relentless violence Christians are facing in North and Central Nigeria and how they are being targeted specifically because they're Christians. Keep listening as Hassan shares his concerns for the wider Sahel region, but also his wonder at how the God who knows what it means to suffer is drawing alongside his people. This isn't a problem that affects Nigeria only, is it? We've heard more and more reports over the last few years about radical Islamist movements spreading all across uh, all across West Africa, in Cameroon and Chad and Niger, which border Nigeria, but also further west in Mali and Burkina Faso and even the Ivory Coast. What do you think the future holds for the region and for the Christians who live there? Yeah, I must say uh, at this point, uh, it's really a bleak future when you consider the building up of uh, the Islamic State in West Africa. Uh, Those are the ones that are predominantly operative in Mali and Niger. Then you also have Al-Qaeda in the Maghreb. Uh, They are also very, very active in that region. And when you tie that to Boko Haram, you see that most of the the, the regions of the Sahel region uh, of the Sahel uh, are completely now under threat. Now, I'm aware that the French government and the British indeed and the American uh, army uh, has been doing a lot in keeping an eye on the region. Indeed, the French troops have done a lot in keeping uh, the, the terrorist groups there in check. But the, the thing is, like you did ask, um, what is the meaning of all this? And we know, generally speaking, that Al-Qaeda and uh, Islamic State are just this radical sect of Muslims who believe that it is either the Quran and the Hadith and uh, an Islamic government or nothing else. And they will do anything and everything to make sure that that happens. They hate anything that is Western. And when I say Western, I mean they therefore hate anything that is uh, secular education 
And anything Western means Christianity, and uh, which, of course, by our history, uh, it's Christianity that brought education and brought health, particularly in Nigeria that I know. So for them, uh, all these are part of the Westernization and the devastation that, that Islam suffers, and they must do everything to purify Islam in that regard. So that has its own, its own problems. And uh, for West Africa, really, the build-up is to, is to go as far as saying it would be great if um, they are able to achieve the mission of making sure the entire West Africa region is under an Islamic rule. And uh, if they can't achieve it politically, I think they want to achieve it militarily. I'm really thankful to you, Hassan, for bringing these things into the light and for being a voice of truth. You've given us a really big picture view of what's happening. But of course, when you zoom in a bit, this kind of situation causes untold levels of suffering for individual people and families. Um, But there are also great stories of faith and of God working and of Christians who uh, who still have joy in the middle of it all. And I know you're going to be speaking more about that at our online events at the start of November. Um, but just to give us a taster of that, are you able to tell us one story or one person who you know who demonstrates that God hasn't deserted his people in northern Nigeria? Oh, yes. Oh, the stories, are, they're incredible. It, it, I mean, it just lights my heart every time I see that despite the tragedies, the Lord God is doing amazing things among amongst us here. I mean, yes, people get killed. Yes, um, people are maimed and they're in the hospitals. But, you know, so a quick example will be, so like we have a pastor's training that is ongoing, that is sponsored by Release International. And what we've done is to get pastors together so that they are able to provide assistance and comfort to communities uh, that have gone, that have been destroyed and people that are suffering this persecution. Now, at first, the pastors were completely at loss at what to do because this has been going on for so long. And um, many pastors have lost their congregations. The churches have been burnt. The people have scattered all over the place. And the pastors sit down and they say, look, what can we do? So when we came up with this, um, with this training, so what we do is to bring pastors together and to train them in the Christian apologetics of answering the questions of suffering, God's judgment, and... Uh, how to also be the shepherds and stand for the faith that they have. So we've done these trainings a couple of times, but there's this story from this pastor who says, look, thank you so much, Hassan, for getting us together because I'm one of those pastors that at some point I was thinking that perhaps I should just give up and uh, because I have nothing else to tell the people anymore and maybe just get something else to do. But this training has helped me so much. Now I've been able to sit down with victims uh, of these killings and have been able to let them see that the Christian faith has all been, is, is not devoid from the suffering that we see because we, have a, we live in a fallen world and therefore uh, we will have persecution and suffering. However, Jesus Christ is consistently there with us because he goes through the suffering with us. He's not removed or devoid or distant away from the suffering. So he's done that. Then he's now said, but one thing that he now realized is that he did, he would do that and then he will pray. So there's this moment, this time that he came to this house and uh, this woman, of course, with her injuries from the 
from the from one of the attacks and one of the child uh, one of the children that she has a child there was so sick so after he spoke with them he now decided to lay his hand on this child and they prayed and the healing was almost instantaneous it was and he was surprised the family was shocked you know he came out he says look i came out and my my body shift i mean my hands were shaking and i just didn't know what to do he says you see god at work so you have these stories and this pastor is just so excited about what is going on so it's emboldening him and the people where he pastored and have now seen god at work so the faith grows the 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 commitment to depend on god and have faith on him continues to grow and wow that is really inspiring to hear it it's the amazing thing about the lord is that his light shines all the brighter in the darkest of situations absolutely most people who are listening to this right now will be doing so from a, a place of relative comfort and security um and may find it hard to relate to some of the things that you've shared but i expect that most of those people will probably be very eager to do something in response and to want to help in some way um what can christians in the uk do to help our brothers and sisters in northern nigeria is there anything we can do practically or obviously keep you guys in our prayers yes um like you rightly said we we need your prayers prayers are the ultimate force and for those that have partnered with release over time i just want to assure you that the lord is answering your prayers we see these prayers each time we go out there each time we meet families that are in pains and the, the the comfort the joy you know it's incredible that you go to a village uh, a few hours or a few days after an attack and then when they sit to to fellowship and pray it's amazing the singing and the dancing and the joy in the presence of the lord and we attribute this also to the fact that we have the christian body all over the world suffering in our pains and being with us so we want to say thank you so much for what you're doing there is nothing you give that is that is too small there's nothing that i mean the, the the problems are huge in this part of the world i must confess but you see it is those little things that have that that make the big changes in our lives here a, a lady said to me at one point that we went to to one of the villages she said she at first was shocked that i said to her the assistance we are getting came from from uk and so her shock is how did they know we are suffering here and they are able to send this assistance that came at this moment in time this the 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 honor done to us by those from other parts of the world who share in this tragedy that we are going through like you said yeah people might be in their comfort zone but the fact is when one body suffers and you do suffer too because you you make some sacrifices you make some commitments funds that perhaps you would have used for something else you are sending it to this part of the world and i want to let you know that it's deeply deeply appreciated well thank you to you too hassan for your um for your ministry for your courage for helping us to ask the right questions for being a voice of truth for us um and i'm really looking forward to the online live events at the beginning of november uh to hear more from you then um so god bless you brother we'll speak to you soon Thank you so much. Thank you so so very much. 
You may well feel like some of the problems Hassan has described for us are intractable and that you really can't do anything about it. But as Hassan said, no effort is too small. In Matthew 10, Jesus said, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. You can do something. You can pray. You can support one of Release International's projects in Nigeria. You can share this podcast with someone else so that more people become aware of these issues. Through these means, we can stand shoulder to shoulder with that man or woman or child who has just lost a loved one because they bear the name of Jesus. We also bear that name, and as one of God's people, we can be with them through their suffering. We can do something. Thank you so much for listening to Release International's Voice podcast. Please do subscribe through your favourite podcast app and stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. There are many other ways you can get involved. If you don't already receive our free quarterly magazine or prayer alert emails, then please do subscribe on our website at releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. And please do remember to join us for our live online events with Hassan John in November. For more details about that event, visit releaseinternational.org forward slash events. Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them.